When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, welcome in. It's UAP time, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener right here, Karen Curtis over there for episode 47 of UAP. How are you, Karen? Hello, I'm well. Good. And before we get into it today, because we are moving away from our three-part series. I guess you can say it was a trilogy. Which went wild. It did. <laughs> there was the a download. Woo. There was a lot going on, and I'm glad you all enjoyed it, so hopefully you enjoy this as much as you did of our three-part series about alien hybrids and the agendas and everybody who is taking place in the hybrid, I guess, experimentations. But we're going to kind of move on into something that you and I, it's been kind of poking at our brains to talk about sound and frequencies and vibrations and all these things. And music. And music. And the sound of our voices. And how it all connects into what might be a language that is out there in the universe that we are just not picking up on. It actually may be the key to the universe. It might be the key to how things get done on Earth, too. That's right. That we need to unlock a little bit more. So, the, yeah, there's a lot to get into with this. Is also how maybe they use sound to levitate things. Hint, hint, who would have given them that knowledge? And so. some planets make a sound. Hey, now. There's a lot. This is going to be a lot of fun, honestly. And this is a two-part series, just to give you a heads up. I'm going to play the sound, see if you can recognize the planet. Okay, we can play <laughs> Guess the Planet. So... It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of really intriguing, uh, kind of mind-bending stuff. But I think you're really going to enjoy what uh, we talk about here in, in over the next couple of weeks in this two-part series about sound, um, and what it can do and what we're missing. But before we do that, also because you know we always get into the factoid first. But even before the factoid, oh no, I want to say two things. Okay. Number one, happy Fourth of July weekend, everybody. That's right. Right. So depending on when you're listening to this, obviously this is being released on July 1st. Um, you're listening to it. You know, maybe you listen to it right away before the 4th of July, even if it's after. Happy 4th of July. Enjoy. Don't, you know, get too crazy with the fireworks and enjoy yourself. So there's that. And happy 4th of July to you as well, Karen. Well, thank you. And the last thing before a factoid is happy anniversary to us. Yes. It's our one-year anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, dear. Unbelievable. <laughs> Should I have gotten you a cake or flowers? Or? No. Okay. Absolutely not. What a ride This it's is a been. labor of love, though, I must it say. Is. We totally enjoy doing it. I can't believe it's been a year. Oh my gosh. We've covered a lot of ground, and we're just getting started. That's true. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm glad you made that clear. We started the first episode, came out July 2nd, 2021, and here we are, July 1st. 2022 so you know just about a year but 
close enough when, when this episode is being released. So thank you to everybody who has uh, allowed us to keep this going for consuming the show like you have and for helping it to become one of the most downloaded podcasts in the country yeah. at this point. In the world. So, yes. In the universe. Yeah, you're not kidding. So thank you to everybody. Like you said, Karen, we're just getting started. So how about that? One year in for UAP. Congratulations. Now, do you have a factoid for us before we get into the fun? I do. Okay, what do you got? You know how I always warn, don't mess with the moon? Yeah. Well, someone's rocket just hit the moon. They're not listening know. to you. They need to listen to you. Oh my, you could knock the moon off its whatever orbit. Yeah. And then we'd be doomed here on Earth. Don't want that. The impact occurred this week as an unidentified rocket stage, so it wasn't the entire rocket, crashed into the lunar surface. And we're going to put a picture of the new crater that was created Mm -hmm. up where at our Twitter thing. Yeah, we'll tweet that out. It'll also be on our uh, blog posts on 850WFTL.com. You'll see that where you can, you know, we always have the blog post up there on the UAP podcast section, and you'll see that along with uh, this episode. You can take a look at the picture. So this rocket formed a new interesting crater, and it's leaving us to wonder, how is it possible to not know whose rocket this is and how it happened and why did it hit the moon and what the hell? It's a good question, and apparently... This, like you said, this happened last year, and we're just well, finding out about it. it happened last week. See, I kept hearing different reports, which is also weird. Because this last was reported week. on the 28th, and it said it was last week. Right. So I, I've seen different things. So it's almost like they don't know when this happened, what they're looking at. But there's this big crater on the moon. I mean, again, like you say, Karen, we'll have the picture up for you, and you can see it yourself. It's in the satellite imagery. Um, or I guess in the, you know, in, in the resolution, the high-resolution-ish picture. And they said by the size of the crater, it's a big rocket that crashed into the moon. And there's all the governments of the world, the space-faring governments Mom. of the world are like, not us. Not us. Not us. Don't look at me. We survive by the pleasure of the moon. So don't mess with the moon. Careful up there. Please. Whoever's doing that, be careful. Gosh, it's wild. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a crazy story. So as we get into part one here of sound... I know you're itching, Karen. <laughs> well, we did an episode on the moon. We did, yes. I think that was a two-parter, actually, yeah. Secrets of the Moon. So if you want to go back and yeah. listen to those, so feel free, because that man, that was some interesting stuff, actually. We had the, Remember that woman who said she lived on the moon? And Barack Obama was on the moon. No, that was Mars. Oh, that was Mars. Yeah. <laughs> the Curious Case of Andrew Basiago. Oh, that's, that's another right. one. Oh, my God. Boy, all these, you can always, if you haven't heard those, take a listen. <laughs> um, I wanted to. I want to start off here with a quote that I'm going to let you know right now, spoiler alert, this is a recurring theme of this two-part series. It's a quote from Tesla, and it's it's really important to what we're talking about. He said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. <laughs> Keep that quote in mind over the next couple episodes. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Exactly. And Elon Musk continually says that music basically mm-hmm. is a limbic resonator, like the limbic part of your brain. Mm, that's that right. It causes emoting, but it also can move things. I mean, it's all connected. It is. No, you're right. And that's you're going to hear a lot of that here, starting with... What we got for you on this part one, because we are going to take a deep dive, Karen, into the deep end of this UAP discussion and explore the forgotten knowledges of sound. What did the ancients know about its practical properties? Because we're going to talk about basically the, the ancient 
kind of stories with this. And like 5 BC. Yeah, I mean, and even further back, possibly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, the, that's right, the pyramids. Right. right. And we'll also look into some of the modern aspects of this as well. So you'll have modern and, and ancient takeaways from this uh, all at once. What did they know about its properties and its uses back in ancient times? How does it connect us to the cosmos? And where did the knowledge come from? I think don't we are getting some sort of sound from the universe. It was picked up by the Chinese, right? Or then that they said it wasn't a true story. Yeah, that was another one that was disputed. I think we talked about that in our factoid last week, I think, with the sound that no. they didn't know what it was. It was a radio signal. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I meant to, and I forgot to bring it up. But yeah, and then they said it wasn't true, but they didn't know where the radio signal was coming from. And then they came back out uh, a few days later, kind of like Roswell. And this just happened a couple weeks ago in China, where they said, oh, no, that was a mistake. We didn't hear anything. And hmm. aren't we sending out a tone from Earth? Yeah, I believe there's always things set out by, by uh, SETI and, and you know looking for contact and places like that. Now, believe it or not, Karen, you might be surprised that our first subject has to do with someone more known for his math than he is for anything else. Believe it or not, the ancient Greek mathematician and philosopher, by the way, you may not know, Pythagoras. And I'll just tell you right now, yes. this is why I could never play the piano. <laughs> My sister is totally like, is it right brain? No, left brain. Mm -hmm. And she knows like Rachmaninoff, black and That's white great. keys and the foot pedals and crossing over. And, and I was like playing a minuet that Mozart wrote when he was eight and I was 10. <laughs> so, I mean, you either know math and then you can understand music or you don't it's true i mean you could always learn how to play piano and those things but oh, it's a no. lot easier for some people i was like all others. cows eat grass bong <laughs> every good boy does fine bong i mean it sucked i hated it well pythagoras you can have thank him for the musical scale karen you're going to be fascinated i think all of you will be fascinated by this because he did more than just come up with a squared plus b squared equals c squared right, the, the theorem that's right that's what we know now the pythagorean theorem we all learned that in that's a triangle. high school is that a triangle yeah i yeah. think it's like writing a triangle and all the stuff with triangles he would actually he did much more for the study of sound and for music than our current education system gives him credit for because we always huh. focus on the math side of, right. of pythagoras so our story begins, I feel like I'm in Epcot, like in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the spaceship Earth ride. Our story begins in 535 BC when he left his country of Greece and traveled to Egypt. And he wanted to learn the so-called secret knowledge from Egyptian priests and their secret societies. Ah. So he did a lot of studying with them. And from that, they say a doorway was kind of open and he was enlightened. In his mind, and he started to notice something different about how sound worked. When he would walk by the metal workers, okay. So imagine this: you're you're in Egypt. It's ancient times. It's you know the 500s BC, and you're walking by these metal workers. They're hitting their the iron with you know hot iron with their hammers. They're fashioning weapons. They're fashioning you know whatever they need out of steel. And you just walk by it. It's Wait ambient a minute. sound. Did they have steel back then. Well, you know, of <laughs> metal, iron, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Okay. Getting technical with I you don't here. Know. But if you're Pythagoras and you're learning these different things from the Egyptian priests, the sound to him struck a different chord, if you will. Because while he listened, he discovered to his amazement that the sound had mathematical properties to it. And this kind of started like a domino effect for Pythagoras. He began to make one discovery after another, beginning with this one. 
Pythagoras, in hearing these tones made by the metal striking the metal, intuited that there was a mathematical relationship between the different notes in a scale. There was a proportional relationship of ratios between these different notes in the scale. It's amazing. So this observation led him to, at that time, make a revolutionary connection between sound and math. He, he realized it. And wow. so we know he came up, like we said, with the famous, you know, Pythagorean theorem, the A squared plus B squared equals C squared. But his most important discovery may have actually been sound plus math equals music. Whoa. <laughs> Here's a physicist from California. When you look at Western music, it all has its root with Pythagoras. And the great discovery he made is that the waves generated, say, by strings or wind instruments, could be converted into clear notes and scales by using fractions and discrete ratios. So we end up with thirds, fifths, fourths, octaves, by simply taking the string and holding it in these fractional ratios, you get sound in these ratios, and it's very pleasing and works very well to the human ear. So Pythagoras did this amazing job of taking math and geometry and tying it to music, which then led to the entire Western musical scale. Hello. <laughs> That's huge. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. I just want to say, I think, you know, oh, Einstein's so brilliant and Pythagoras so brilliant. But what if they're really not that smart and they were just told by an alien who went, hey, by the way, you need to know this. It's a theory. And they gave them the idea, the information that anything that any great breakthroughs were probably given to these people by someone not of this earth. It's possible. Right? I mean, you know, I hate to take away credit from these ideas and these, you know, kind of... Um, or it's in the Akasic record or I don't know. You know, these observations that they made. Did they have you know, an aha moment or was possible. it fed to them by another being? Well, that's the question that we ask, isn't it? And we let you make up your mind on that yourself. Can't you just see it though? Like Pythagoras just like shredding a sweet guitar solo. His beard is blowing in the wind <laughs> as he's discovering the relationship he between math like and music. He sounds like ZZ Top. <laughs> that's right. His guitar's <laughs> spinning. That's right. But no, in, in all seriousness though, his the revelation that he made with, with music led to the discovery that kind of leads us here today. Sound in its purest vibrant form could be a language of the universe. Yeah. I agree. He theorized that the universe and everything in it is in a constant state of vibration with a harmony throughout the cosmos and that the planets emit their own sound. Hello. <laughs> Pythagoras thought of the universe as operating as a harmonious whole, which he compared to a lyre, an instrument that is a little bit like the modern harp in that it has different strings. Each string vibrates at a different frequency, producing a different sound. He thought that each planet in the solar system vibrated at its own unique frequency and produced what he called the music of the spheres. How do you like that? When you look at the individual planets in our solar system and around the universe, radiation that's emitted in each planet will be in its own frequency range. We can convert that to an audible signal and think of each planet having its own signal or tone or music that goes with it. E.T. phone home. I didn't mean to speak over or talk over our mystery speaker there. I apologize. Sorry. <laughs> so he, I added it. You you know. Oh, you Karen special there. That's fine. But no, the the music of the spheres, and that's the thing that got me. 
that really kind of brings it all together because you're talking about the cosmos, right? The planets, the spheres. You're talking about music, his discovery that basically music is essentially the scale that we use today in the Western world is made from math with his observation that math is in music and he gets that from the sound so it all ties together a sound is like this language with math math plus sound equals music and math as we know is a universal language anyway we've talked about that before the universal language of of the universe when it comes to life you know on other planets and you put this all together and it's like boom it makes sense and you know it all it all ties together yeah once again I'll tell you what, you know, and it's funny, the planets all make a different sound and I'm going to test you coming up. Oh, good. We don't have the sound of the earth, but I believe if we did, it would sound something like this. Hey, I'm orbiting here. (laughs) Here comes my cousin Vinny. That's what the earth sounds like. Oh, no, I'm walking here. Oh, yes, that's right. I'm thinking, what am I thinking about? orbiting here. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) that's the earth. The earth would be a little bit more, you know, petulant. That's Midnight Cowboy, right? I think so, yeah. I'm walking, it was Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Anyway, so, but that type of understanding, it could have helped those, you know, kind of in the know, like these Egyptian priests or Pythagoras in, the, in his time, it could have helped them during those ancient times to use this knowledge to their advantage, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But before but we get to- But how do we the, lose yes. the knowledge? I mean, we, we, well, we, still play may, we still play music, but they were using sound to do all kinds of crazy stuff way back when, and we're like, we're like, Cavemen. It's like we just forgot about it all, moved on to different things. We get distracted, but we might be rediscovering it now, That's which right. we're going to get to. But before we get there, Karen, let's just reflect on this fact that Pythagoras figured this all out thousands of years before our scientists even discovered it. Did he do it all on his own? Did he have help? In some stories, he actually credits Apollo. Hello the Greek god of the sun, ah. with bestowing this knowledge about mm. the vibrations of the planets and mm. things like that. Again, because that was just discovered by NASA not too long ago, maybe a couple decades ago. And this is something that he realized, hey, these planets, they have all these different vibrations. They make these sounds. It's the music of the spheres that he spoke about in five, you know, the and 500s that, BC. And the, the Beach Boys sang about. Yeah. Well, good go. vibrations. Good vibrations. Another good song reference by you. Thank you. So make of that what you will. Him bringing up Apollo and, you know, bestowing this knowledge upon him. Well, look at that. I Apollo, a Greek god of the sun. That's some some entity from outer space. You would think so. There you go. Right? Yeah. But believe it or not, like we said, our scientists have actually confirmed this theory mm-hmm. of the so-called music of the spheres to be true. Now, I know this was, you said you're going to test me on these, Karen, because we am. have a few of, this is actually what some of these planets sound like. And I like to call it the symphony of the planets. I kind of adjusted Pythagoras' name of the music of the spheres. I call it the symphony of the planets. I just wanted to be different. Oh, I like that. Of that, very good. Okay, good. I'm better than Pythagoras then. <laughs> so, <laughs> here's our first planet. Let's let's play Guess That Planet. Sounds like the ocean. <laughs> no, sounds like a... A seashell that I held up to yeah, my ear really? recently at the beach. What planet was that? Uh, I will guess. It's boring, right? It is kind of boring. Yeah. I'm only going to say, I, I'm going to say Mars yeah. only because we've actually heard Mars a couple of times with the rovers That's up there. That's right. And it's like a wind sound. Yes. Yeah. So that was Mars. Yeah. That okay. was Mars. We have another one? We do. This one's weird. Oh, gosh. Really? 
That is... Um, wow, that's insane. That's actually a planet? Yeah. That's the sound it makes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. A vibrating planet. Right. With a big red dot. Ah, Jupiter. Yes. Holy cow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And yeah, then it more. gets even creepier. Okay. I kind of compiled different sounds oh. on this one planet. This is one planet making the sound? Yeah, I, I just kind of edited it all together just to give that's you an insane. idea. insane. Yeah. Which one is that? Saturn. I was going to say Pluto because Pluto should still be oh, a planet. Oh, by God. Wasn't that... <laughs> it was uh, wishful thinking. Uh, Neil... Yeah, he stole Pluto DeGrasse. away from us. <laughs> huh. God bless him. Bless his heart. But So that's Saturn. Yeah. It's amazing because well, what they say is that it, all these sounds, they come from each individual planet's radiation signature. Uh, okay. So it's not like... Because again, in space, it's not really like their sound. That's a thing. It, you know? It's a vacuum, so there isn't right. sound. So it's a vibration. It's a vibration from the radiation signatures. Or, so what they did oh. was they took those radiation signatures that the planets give off, and it creates their own unique vibration. So it's almost like they're translating it. I see. Language. Thank you for clarifying that, because <laughs> someone out there is going, what are they talking about? You can't hear sound in space, you dumb people. Right. So I thought I would make Thank sure you. we make that clear. But they're translating those radiation signatures, which give off a vibration, into sound. Realize, again, I want to highlight the word translation. Right. Because we normally use that for languages. So we're able to find out what the planets sound like through their Vibrations from the radiation signatures. I see. It's insane, isn't it? It is insane. All right. But I love it. Keeping our head above water, okay? okay. <laughs> and it's a little deep, but fascinating though, isn't it? It is. It's super fascinating. It all kind of comes together and it can, will continue to come together because we did mention that we would talk about those who used all of these ancient knowledges of vibrations and frequencies to their advantage. But here's the catch. It wasn't just one person or even one civilization. What if every single monolith... And ancient structure, surrounded by mystery that we've ever talked about, could have one thing in common. And that is the use of sound for levitation. Oh, so they were able to move it through levitation. Also, they probably had the Fibonacci numbers in common. But anyway. Well, we've talked about yeah. that with our Sacred yeah. Geometry series. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to actually get to this. I know I said at the beginning of the episode, we've been wanting to do this subject for a couple of months now. Yeah, but I've been nagging you about it because no, it's so it's cool. Not, it's just been nagging my brain. My brain has been nagging me. Come on, do this, do this, get this all down. And it's just it was a lot of material and really kind of heavy to wade through it. So you did it a took- good job, though, and I was so fascinated how sound would make uh, shapes and designs. That's what we're going to get into next week, right? Well, I, we kind of got into it. I didn't really include it in this series because we kind of got into it with the sacred geometry, but I will put it up again on our blog with the episode because we talked about how sound gets into the sacred geometry portion of things. And how it creates these perfect geometrical shapes. Maybe even creating the crop circles. Right. It could have been. Yeah. When we talk about how sound is used for levitation. So if you missed some of that, I'll put up one of those videos again on how sound and the frequencies are used to create these perfect geometrical shapes. It's fascinating. And they're intricate. Yes. And we're not talking about like a circle with a square inside of, no. It would take an artist. Like a snowflake. I mean, probably 30 minutes to an hour to create what frequency creates in a snap right. of your fingers. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what Gorgeous. frequency does. But 
which it all kind of connects you with with what we're talking and about. Levitation. Sorry, I took you away from it. No, no, no. But it's true. It all it goes together because. When we talk about the levitation side of things, though, and while we consider this theory that sound could have been used for levitation, the vibrations of the sound. Because some of these places have these humongous 100-ton stones that are like 40 feet in the air on top of each other. How does that happen? How did they do that? And they're perfectly cut in all these things. We've talked about a lot of those places, and we're going to get into a couple of them again. But take a listen to what a Greek historian named Herodotus had to say about something like this. In the 5th century BC, the Greek historian Herodotus wrote that the Egyptians were given knowledge from the guardians of the sky on how to float the massive limestone blocks with which they built the Great Pyramid. What we see it is the very real possibility that extraterrestrial civilizations visited Earth all throughout the world and that each time they did, they felt it was very important to impart this sacred knowledge about the importance of acoustic frequencies in the keys to unlocking the mysteries of the universe. You know, we have people that just walk around the earth and take everything for granted, Mm -hmm. like the pyramids. Oh, look, let's go see the pyramids. Aren't they fabulous? And then you have some people going, wait a minute, how did they do this? Exactly. You have to ask the question. Because it's something we don't know about, and we don't know how to do it. Right. And other people just don't even care. And they're just, they're right. And to figure it out. walk by it, whatever. And But when you really start to you examine to start these asking. things. Yes. Because it's, it's impossible. It would be hard for modern construction to create some of these ancient structures that are still standing today. I've seen the reenactment of where they try to take one of the blocks and put it on like a reed boat or raft and float it down the Nile. <laughs> yeah. It gets, you know, completely swamped like 40 feet down the Nile. Sure. It just, they, how did they do it? Because the, the white uh, limestone or whatever mm-hmm. it is came from another quarry. Right. Right, hundreds so, of miles away in some matter. cases. And they're just like Stonehenge, 200 miles away in Wales. Exactly. The, the blue stones. So when you start to consider these things, Karen... And, <laughs> you have and, to think about it. You have to. And Pythagoras, when you kind of connect it to what he spoke about when it came to like the vibrations of the cosmos and that quote from Tesla that we said at the beginning of the episode, they told you to keep in mind there about vibrations and frequencies and you know, kind of the secrets of the universe and how they all go together. It's completely... It, it, I mean, is it really completely out of the question... To consider that the ancients could have used sound, vibrations, and different frequencies to levitate. Okay, I know it sounds crazy, but to levitate, otherwise impossible to move boulders and stones. I mean, some they have to be moved somehow. Yeah, there's no other explanation. They didn't have the wheel. <laughs> they didn't even have the wheel back then. <laughs> In some cases. I mean, when some of these things were built. Oh, my gosh. So it's, it's amazing because, again... It's an irrefutable fact that these structures are built. It's not like these are mirages. You go and you see any ancient structure you can think of, okay? Exactly. They're there. And it's still standing. (laughs) Name one structure we've built in the last 100 years that's going to be still standing in 4,000 years. And they're like, "Uh, we don't even need the wheel. We've got this levitation thing going on. (laughs) Who needs it? So when you really stop to think about it, the mystery starts kind of come together like a math equation uh-huh. you know when you're in that moment when you find out what x equals it's like <laughs> aha x equals seven now it all makes sense yes so could sound be that one missing link to answer not just how the say the pyramids were built but every single monolithic structure 
from the ancient world. Makes sense. Some ancient mythologies speak of the fact that some of these stones were put into place with sound. That these things all of a sudden levitated into place. What the local legend of Stonehenge talks about is that those big stones were transported by way of levitation. We want to thank, there uh, it is. of course, Ancient Aliens oh, and our, our friend there. Giorgio. Yes. Yeah. They're always contributing. <laughs> so, but They the, don't even know about it. But. <laughs> hey, look, we all work together. But when you think about it, like they said there, the pyramids, Pumapunku, Stonehenge, the giant heads in Easter Island, yeah. the Incan temples, right. and ancient structures in Cambodia, whatever you want to think about, all of these and more. Gobekli Tepe. I mean, yes, all of them. They start to make sense yeah. when you consider... And maybe I dare to say realize that they could have been built by a technology that was given to us by the so-called gods, mm-hmm. right? Like Pythagoras talked about learning about the the, uh, the the cosmos and the music of the spheres from Apollo. And then it's just kind of lost to time. We get distracted with things and yeah. it just kind of that ancient knowledge gets lost for whatever reason. Maybe it gets burned down in a temple or whatever. But all of this, of course, this technology... Being the levitation of objects through sound and certain vibrations and frequencies is just lost to time. Because, you know, I would say probably 75% of the Earth or more, they're just concerned with survival, people on the Earth right now. Just how they're going to feed themselves. How are they going to have shelter? Really, think about it. Here in the United States, we don't really worry about that. But... You know, so we're able to sit here in a studio and contemplate these larger issues. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of people are just trying to survive. It's true. And so they're not thinking about Pythagoras and, and about levitation and, and why, how the pyramids got built. And so I think that through time, people just tried to survive and they lost, you know, the ability to understand the or ask about these things. Yeah. No, I, and that could be it. I mean, you know, civilizations split up. You know, there's a lot of movement throughout the earth as, you know, you start to get into different developments throughout, the, you know, the centuries and you get into the Middle Ages and things like that. Things, right. Times exactly. change. Yes. Times change. They were just trying to survive the plague. And, yeah. But, you know, you've got the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Bible has lived for so long mm. because it was in writing uh, in Greek and in uh, Aramaic. I mm-hmm. think that's what Jesus spoke, Aramaic. Yes. And no one really wrote this stuff down. Yeah. There was no, you know, they didn't write it in the Dead Sea Scrolls and put it in a, a, a jar in a cave. And so we discovered it and went, oh, okay. Unless it's, People had to start asking questions. You know, and, and then maybe a lot of things, traditions were kept by word of mouth. That's right. You know? Yes. And maybe maybe this stuff was written down, maybe, say, in the Lost Scrolls of Alexandria. But maybe. <gasps> That's right. The whole <laughs> library burned down. Gone. So oh. who knows the, the knowledge that we lost at that point. But... Remember, Greek historians and philosophers such as Herodotus and and Pythagoras, they spoke about this knowledge coming from the gods. By the way, I had to tell you that in uh, the Greek version of the scrolls, Adam in Genesis meant humans, Mm. the whole human race, not just one man. And so in transcription to Aramaic, Mm. it became Adam, uh, the guy. So maybe something's lost in translation. Yes. Possible. Because That's that makes more sense, right? That humans, God created humans. Right, 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 right. And man, maybe man just means humankind, mankind. Yeah. 
So, well, that's that's a whole nother podcast, I guess. But it's interesting for sure because you know, like again, they're talking about getting this knowledge from they called the gods, and what we maybe say, well, were the gods as they referred to? Were they visitors from another planet? They didn't know how else to explain it because they're coming down from the sky right, right. where you know we believe the gods lived above them. That, those things are documented. These statements, not you know, visitation from gods, but these statements from Pythagoras and Herodotus are documented in historical texts that they got this knowledge from the gods. So is it really that far-fetched of a thought at all to that, that all this maybe could make sense. Like Eric Von Danigan with his book, Chariots of the Gods, True. he asked, everything in the book is a question. Right. He was just asking, well, were these chariots really spaceships? Right. Is it possible? And he was totally run up the flagpole for <laughs> I that. I know, but he could have been onto something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, now he's not, but back then when yeah. he first wrote it. But yeah, something to think about here. And that's what we do, too. I mean, we ask the questions, right? We bring up the details. You have to. And, you know, it kind of lets you make up your own mind. And what's amazing here, Karen, is because we said this is kind of covering the ancient side of things and how it connects to the modern side of things when it comes to, you know, the experimentation with sound and maybe levitation. Maybe the knowledge isn't lost forever because, believe it or not, we may actually be starting to regain some of this knowledge and technology. Thank God. It only took a few thousand years, but hey, better late than never, It'll I suppose. It'll make life so much easier. That would be nice, right? Maybe levitate things instead of taking them in shipping containers. That would be useful. But go back now. This is something that's it taking would, place. It would solve the supply chain issue. Hello? Can we get some levitation, please? <laughs> It's something they're working on because a few years back in 2017, there were uh, some experiments being done at the University of Bristol in England, and they successfully had researchers actually were levitating small objects using sound waves. So this is something that maybe is kind of coming back. On Stranger Things, no. (laughs) Recently, the University of Bristol came up with a handheld device with an array of speakers that allows the holder of this to actually focus sound waves and sound waves alone and then levitate small pieces of light material. When we look at this portable tractor beam, can we extrapolate the idea that this is a technology in its infancy where in ancient times it was actually being used to levitate large stones? There you go. Yeah. How about that? Can I bring it all together, huh? Yes. It's so cool. I mean, and they actually were doing this. I may uh, put the, the little video snippet up for you so you can see it on the blog on 850WFTL.com. We go to the podcast section, search UAP. You'll see, again, the picture from NASA that NASA put up recently of the crater on the moon from this mystery rocket that crashed into the moon. And uh, some of this video, because it's fascinating to see this little handheld tractor beam, it, it kind of... For reference, it kind of looks like a toy blaster gun yes. that you might get at the store, you know, like a toy to buy for your kid. It's made out of plastic or something. I guess. And it has a bunch of like little speakers inside of it and they make it almost like a funnel shape at the end of this little tractor beam. So what they do is by focusing these sound waves, they're able to levitate small and light objects, almost like a, almost looks like a bead, you know, maybe not, not a pearl to, per se, but it's just like a tiny circle that it is being levitated. From a BB? You, yeah, kind of like a BB. I guess you could say that. And so that's that's what they're using to levitate these small objects. These the focusing up like, sound waves. Oh my God, these humans. We told them all about this. We told them how to do this. <laughs> we told you guys thousands years of years ago. ago. Come on now. And Wake now up. they're levitating a BB. 
But this is maybe the, the this is the talk about going backwards. Good lord. Well, the thing is, and we've heard this over and over again, is that the aliens, if you will, mm-hmm. as a as a whole, they have been waiting to reveal themselves when we were ready technologically. Right. And we might be ready. And that's why we're hearing about this from the government. We might be technologically getting to a point where we're ready for what they've got to tell us about. Because like- we obviously weren't ready in the past because they didn't continue doing it. Well, I like to think so. I mean, I, I hope so. Who knows? I'm I mean, ready. It's, it's it's interesting to wonder, you know, why? Why now? Or why, why not now? a thousand years ago? Why not 20 years ago? It's happening. Maybe. Boy, we'd have a whole new subject to talk about. That's for sure. <laughs> My gosh. But again, you know, coming coming back with this technology at the University of Bristol back in 2017, this is the kind of stuff that possibly the ancients did use thousands of years ago to move these giant structures and build these giant structures, to move these giant boulders and everything. It's amazing to think about that they could have had this technology millennia ago (laughs) when we are now just starting to kind of refigure it out. Hey, look, I levitated a baby. I mean, what does that say for us? What? Uh. Why does it seem that they were given all this knowledge, but we have to kind of like been left to our own devices when it comes to these specific things? We just get so consumed in our own stuff and making money and owning things and all the wrong things that we put all of our emphasis on. Which I get. We all do it. You know, it's, it's a part of life. We have to figure things out and we have to try to live and do our best and... It's the rat race of life, I guess. Right. We got you know? yeah, caught up in the rat race and we, we forgot about the really important stuff like levitation by sound. It'd be nice to just levitate to work instead of driving. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Nice. Because we're, we're told aliens don't have any you know roads or cars or any kind of currency or any of that stuff. Yeah, there was something in a, a couple weeks ago, Elizabeth Clara, when we talked in part two of our Alien Hybrid Agenda series, she said that when she was on her account. If you didn't listen to the episode, I know it sounds crazy if you haven't heard it yet, but you can listen to her account that we spoke about there on part two a few weeks ago of the Alien Hybrid Agenda series. But she said when she was on the planet Meton with the alien Aiken, who she had a baby with, according to her story. I fell in love okay, with. Um, she said, you know, look, there's no roads, there's no vehicles, there's no monetary system, there's nothing like that. It's just, it's, it's just harmony. love. It's just love. It's harmony. what you would imagine, you know, like the Garden of Eden to be like, speaking of, you know, Adam and Eve before. But I guess to kind of bring this all together before we're done here, Karen, could sound be a type of cosmic language, maybe even a portal or a bridge to a lost sacred knowledge. Are we missing the big picture here when it comes to sound and what it has to offer to us? Yeah, and I think next week we're going to get into things like Om, because that sound is so important, especially to Buddhists. But certain sounds are so unique and have so much power. Sounds and frequencies, Yeah, I think is the main way to put it, how, how it translates into The vibration. Yeah, and what type of frequency I guess, you know, the certain measurement of frequency, I guess I should say, not to give away too much because we want to tease it a little bit. I want to give you the whole thing for part two just yet because we'll do that next week. Yeah, we'll probably have dogs all over the earth <laughs> shaking their ears. <laughs> but we're going into modern times next week on part two of modern our... Modern uh, times. This... Are we really modern times? It well, seems like we're not modern. I know. Compared with what they were able to do in the past. I guess in a linear scale. <laughs> modern times we're going to connect the dots we're going to get more into tesla there's a lot that we're going to get into on part two of this series which is 
the otherworldly secrets of sound. I think he had something as well with all of that, the electricity, free electricity for all. Oh, just wait. Tesla's very fascinating. We're going to cover it all and kind of wrap it all up in a nice ball for you next time on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, for part two of the otherworldly secrets of sound when we get into all that. It's, it's, It's pretty good. If I say so myself, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Oh, no, it's fan- fantastic. You, <laughs> Stephen does all the research, and he goes into these deep dives, and I'm just so proud of you, because you're the reason we're doing this thing. You're you're the one that has been accumulating knowledge about this for years and years and years, and then when the government said, okay, we're going to talk <laughs> about this, I went, Stephen, now's the time. Well, I, I appreciate that, Karen. I appreciate you, because, it, again, I've said it before, and I will say it again. If it wasn't for you saying, "Hey, look, you should do this podcast," it would these all these things would still just be floating around in my mind. So I'm very happy that it's worked out the way it has over this past year. I'm very happy that you've all been enjoying it the way that you have. Yeah, because there's really it's no amazing. way you couldn't go on and just you know willy nilly try to find all this information. You've been keeping it in your phone, just jotting these things down. Yeah, over the years, and you have a great treasure trove there. Probably over the only- past. 10 years. Really? Ten years. Well, there you go. <laughs> Taking notes of all these things. So, so amazing. And like you said, we've only just begun. Yes. So Especially with this series, because part two will come next week. Be sure to download, continue to download, listen, uh, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get the podcast. We're also doing a little bit of a YouTube series where we have a teaser for each episode, so you can check out UAP on YouTube as well. That's a little fun thing that we just started to do. And of course continue to give us uh, some, you know, well, tell us what you think. You can give Good us... Good feedback, bad feedback, just let us know. Any feedback helps. Five extraterrestrial stars is preferable, but there's been a lot of good feedback, which we appreciate from all of you. And on Twitter, at UAPodcast850, you can follow us on Twitter. You get all the latest updates and little things that we put out throughout the week as well. So again, thank you to all of you. Enjoy the 4th of July holiday. We'll talk to you again next week on part two of this series. Gonna levitate our butts out of here. <laughs> the otherworldly secrets of sound on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.